Hello, this is Alan Shipnuck back for another podcast for Golf.com and The Knockdown. It is Sunday night in Northern Ireland. Shane Lowry just won an epic open, uh, just incredible performance all the way around. We're Bamberger and I are doing uh, a special edition of, of the Major Championship Recap Podcast. We're, usually we're in some atmospheric spot like the tap room or a Waffle House. But this Sunday was a little different because Michael, the enterprising reporter that he is, decided to hot foot it down about four, hour, four hours south of Portrush to the little golf club where Shane Lowry grew up. He spent the whole day watching with Shane's people and soaking that in. I, of course, was on the scene at Royal Portrush. So we're, uh, we're both on the island of Ireland, but uh, he's in Dublin. I'm now in Belfast, and we're going to do this. So, Michael, thanks, as always, for being a part of these hijinks. Have you tried out yet? <laughs> uh, you know, it was so much fun. I was out there. I had five layers on. I had my Gore-Tex. I had a wool cap. I had an umbrella. And it's the most fun I've had spectating in a long time. It was just nuts for a while. And I actually stayed pretty dry. I mean, as they say over here, there is no bad weather, only bad kit. So if oh, you have the right, isn't that a good one? I, I picked that up this week. So if, if, uh, if you're dressed for it, it's actually quite fun. Um, of course, I didn't have to get any shots, but uh, it, it, was, it was a great day. Tell, and I'm, I'm excited. I love, to all the, I love all the clubhouses have uh, rooms that we don't ever have at home called drying rooms. I know. It, it's, but it's necessary because I got back in the press room and I was just dripping water and everyone was giving me stink eye. Like There was a lot of wet rain gear in the press room. It was a bit musty, I have to say, but... Um, I'm happy we're doing this because I haven't even had a chance to read your story. I've been uh, on, on the move from Portrush to Belfast, and I want to hear everything. So tell me about your day from soup to nuts. Well, uh, I know you're going to make a, a typical accusation here, but let me, let me start with yours. Because for, as Johnny Miller used to say <laughs> when he got me to swing, for you youngsters out there, for a few youngsters out there, Alan's game story, as we call it in the trade, uh, semi-demeaningly, but also half-tongue-in-cheek. Alan's game story is a clinic. I'm speaking to the people now, not to you directly, Alan. Uh, Alan's story is a clinic in how to do it because it covers the moment and it covers the bigger meaning. And that uh, it reads very easily. People don't even know what, what you're doing. Uh, but I know what you're doing because I try to do the same thing. Uh, this is an A-plus example of how, uh, I, how you capture both. But, Alan, if you don't mind, I think, I think really the headline the headlines here is I think there's two, and, and if, if you don't mind, maybe we could start here. But Shane Lowry, as a person in golf, uh, who really, who some of us have known a little bit for a while, but now a lot of us will know a little bit more. But also the, the importance of this moment. One of you, a lot of the listeners won't have had a chance to maybe have read your story by the time to hear this. Tell us what was going through your through your mind as you were writing this up in terms of the moment, the meaning of it all, is what I really meant to say. Yes. Well, speaking of clinics, this is vintage Bamberger. You ask him a question, he parries with praise, flattery, and his own question. So we could do this back and forth for a long time. I'll indulge you, Michael, and answer your question first, uh, and then we'll move on to my question. But yeah, I was. I appreciate. I appreciate what you said, and I definitely felt the energy of this open. You know, there was there was something special about this. Uh, by now, people know the 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 history of how long it took sixty eight years to bring 
this great tournament back to this great golf course, uh, you know, in the dark green heart of, of Northern Ireland. I mean, it's really, it's been one of the ultimate pilgrimage, pilgrimages in, in golf to go all the way up to Royal Portrush. And this golf course had a mystique about it, a mystery and a magic. And it was really neat for the whole world to finally get to see it. And for all these players, almost none of them had, had, had played there, certainly not the American international players you know, the Irish Open was in 2012, so it was a little familiarity, but uh, it, it really was just an incredible lynx land. Uh, just the heaving dunes perched on the edge of the sea, the vistas, I mean, it really instantly becomes my, my favorite course on the Rota. Uh, so just as a playing field, it was phenomenal. And then you have the history of the troubles and all the reasons why they couldn't bring the tournament back and, and this effort to... You know, these great ambassadors from Northern Ireland who, who helped make this happen in McDowell and McElroy and Clark. And they were really the focus of the first two days. You know, everyone knows about Roy's heartbreak and Darren Clark's crack up. And we saw the little tear that flicked, that uh, GMAC flicked away on the first hole. I mean, these guys were feeling it. And the whole island of, of Ireland was feeling it. You know, it was really momentous. And of course, all three of those guys kind of exited stage left. And by Friday evening, there was like a heaviness in the air, right? McElroy was gone. Clark was gone with a triple bogey on the 36th hole. G-Mac wasn't really in contention. And then here comes Shane Lowry. I mean, that 63 on Saturday was just magical. And the way he, um, not only the, the flawless golf he played, but the way the crowd embraced him. And it wasn't a sure thing that, uh, you know, a player from the Republic of Ireland was, was going to be embraced by the, the crowd in Northern Ireland. But... Lowry is such a likable character. He's just so much fun. It's the, the sort of the natural freewheeling way he plays the game is so appealing. Um, and the crowd was obviously on his side and he serenaded on the last few holes of Saturday and that really set the tone for Sunday. I mean, it was, um, he was the only player that mattered. Either he was going to win and in spectacular fashion or uh, it was, he was going to have a, a tremendous collapse and, and you know, the, the Irish curse was going to visit him as well. But, he pulled through with a great performance, and it really was an incredible scene out there. And, and the walk-up 18, I, you know, you and I have both been lucky to, to be on the last hole of a lot of opens, and there's nothing like it with that that canyon and that the, the amphitheater of of all the fans and you know you, the old the old sod. And uh, but it was something special this time. So um, I guess all of that informed my story, and it just kind of poured out of me because there was so much to say, and it, it was such a such an unforgettable week. If I could follow up on one thing, Alan, because I think I, I know, and you know, because we hear this from our readers all the time. We, we mention anything political in, in a, in a quote sports story. Uh, there's a whole group of people that want to run the other way. And I think this, this story, the, the story you wrote, but also the story of what just happened here this week. It's very important to note that you can't really separate sports from politics, that the two are intertwined and, you, you captured that uh, extremely well in your in your story. I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I understand that, that, that sports is entertainment and it's escape for a lot of people and uh, they, they just want to veg out and, and watch the games. And I totally get that. There's, I, I mean, I love doing that myself at times. But you can't remove sports from the context in which they're played. And... The, the playing field is often one of our, our most visible and most powerful 
places for protest or uh, to bring a country or uh, a city or whatever it is together. I mean, nothing can galvanize a region like a sporting event. You know, you could have um, the President of the United States come to Cleveland, Ohio to give a, a stump speech and people turn out and it's kind of a big deal. But when the Cavaliers win the NBA championship, I mean, that's an entirely different level of hysteria and, and emotion. Um, you know, it, the only thing that compares is usually a, a natural disaster and that, that draws a community together as well. But the power of sports is undeniable. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's been, it's been the part of, as it's just, you cannot remove what's happening in society and what's happening on the playing fields. And I mean, I cite a couple of these things in my story, but whether it's Muhammad Ali protesting the Vietnam war, it's Colin Kaepernick taking a knee. Um, and you can go further back to the 1936 Olympics and Jesse Owens and, um, and Adolf Hitler and, and all that transpired there. I mean, it's just, it is, is a part of life. And so when, when you, the reason this tournament could not come to Port Rush is because of politics and because of religion um, and because of hate and because of violence. And those things had to be to simmer down, not, not necessarily solved, but at least, you know, an uneasy ceasefire was reached so they could bring this tournament back. And you can't remove that context. And, you know, if J.B. Holmes wins, it's a different kind of story. But to have a man from the Republic of Ireland galvanize the entire island to have the in the palm of his hand, you know, all the all the Northern Irish golf fans. It was it was really a momentous occasion, and it's impossible to write about Shane Lowry in this tournament without getting into some of that stuff. And uh, hopefully, the American readers will understand that and they'll embrace it because just in, in working on these stories, I've learned a heck of a lot about life over here, and it's given me a whole new perspective. And I think probably a lot of fans in the U.S. are, are learning about the uh the troubles in a, in a new context and, and maybe a new way so um you know sports can be a great educator as well as uh providing entertainment oh no 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 question i mean we could actually go on, on this game for a long time but i know my mother was a long time uh, uh english teacher you know she often found uh she wound up teaching race relations to, to kids who are interested in baseball by getting them to to, to read about jackie robinson and uh you know, Shane Lowry is only 32, but he would have grown up uh, uh, in the in the midst of the troubles. And um, and the idea of this uh, imaginary boundary, as you say, and this divide between uh, North and South and Catholics and Protestants, um, it's it's easing over time. And we don't really know, but we know what it was like for the 20,000 fans that were in those ble- – I don't know how many, but the, the numbers, the large thousands of fans that were in the bleachers there – we know how they responded to Shane Lowry, and they did not care. And we don't even know. You and I probably don't even know if he's Catholic or not, and who cares anyhow. Uh, but that shows uh, mankind's progress, and uh, there's lo- no- nothing's going on in this world to show us uh, uh, our regression into our tribal selves. So it's it was great. Uh, uh, you, I despise this phrase, but you could not have scripted a better winner short of maybe Grant McDowell or McElroy, but... Uh, but also, let's move on, if we might, to Shane Lowry as, as a personality, Alan. I was uh, so – I have been taken with him, uh, and uh, and now even more so. And I, and I guess I would, I would start this part of the conversation by asking you the following. It, it's a short – I learned this word uh, last year um, 
when when Jared Lyle passed away and uh, and the Aussies said he was a bloke, you know, Jason Day and others said he was a bloke. And, you know, so I tried to get that word defined for me. And it is what it, what it sounds like, just like a guy you'd actually want to hang out with, that you could actually have a conversation with, you could actually be yourself with. And when I started thinking about who are the blokes in this game, you know, there's Joe LaCava, and it's a pretty short list after that. But this guy absolutely uh, comes through as a bloke, uh, and it's just so refreshing. It used to be common, and now it's uncommon. Uh, but what, how about you, Alan? What, what were your impressions of, of him as a personality? Well, he's got that great laugh, and he kind of looks like a garden gnome come to life, you know, with the belly and the beard. And um, he's, he's kind of a, a, a character out of folklore, just the way he looks and carries himself. But there, there is a dichotomy there because he's a very ambitious athlete, and he has a, a wicked competitive streak. And he cares deeply about his place in the game. He's not, he's kind of like Ernie Els. You know, the Big Easy was always um, deceptive because Ernie had an edge and he had a fire on the inside. And I think Lowry is very similar. Um, he's, he's one of those guys who, and he talked about this and, and the, other, the other players from Ireland did as well. He was felt like he had gotten left behind. You know, these were his contemporaries and um, to some degree and, He'd been completely outshined by McDowell and, and by McElroy and, of course, by Pudrick. He's a bit older, but um, he he desperately wanted to be in that same sentence. And that was part of his problem. He kind of got in his own way. I mean, he's, for, if you win your if, – if you're from Ireland and you win the Irish Open as an amateur, that that's an, a towering achievement. You know, that, that's what Lowry did when he was 22. And he's won a WGC, and he's won some nice tournaments on the European Tour, but – the resume did not quite match the skill level. I mean, he might have the best hands in golf. You know, Padraig Harrington and Graham McDowell both say he's possibly the best chipper they've ever seen. And that, that was the key to all his birdies on, on the front nine where he, he built that cushion that was insurmountable. I mean, just it's so fun to watch him hit shots. And uh, I've seen him in practice rounds and he'll throw balls down in crazy places and hit it close. And he's just a magician. And for... You know, he's a big man with very soft hands. And that's always fun to watch. So I completely agree that um, he would be fun to have a, uh, the proverbial pint with. But, you know, don't mistake that for a guy who's not going to honor his gift. Because I, I don't think this is going to be the end of Shane Lowry. You know, it, some you get to a, you reach the mountaintop. And when the mountain's this high, you have to wonder. You know, that might be the case with Gary Woodland. But... Um, I think with Lowry's a different a different case. I think this could actually free him up, and this could be the beginning of, of a great run. He's only thirty two, um, you know. He's, he's he's married. He's got kids. He's settled in the U.S. Like a lot of the life changes that some of these twenty somethings are going through, he's already he's already he's like already done with that. And so, um, presumably, he's going to build on this. It's going to be fun to watch because I, I think the crowd loves him. He's you know he, I was talking to. Um, Ian Finnis, who's Tommy uh, Fleetwood's caddy, they were in the same group today, and uh, you know, Ian said that he was so delighted, even as gutted as he was for his man not to win, he was delighted for Larry because he's one of the top five, you know, human beings he's ever met in his life. You know, it's a pretty strong statement for a guy who just beat you, and um, I think he's a consensus view. I, I've never met anyone who doesn't like Shane Lowry as a player as a person, so I think he's going to be yet another great ambassador to come off the Irish island. I mean, all these guys with the exception of Darren Clark, as we saw on Friday evening, um, 
they they ooze charisma and class and um, and he's just a, he's just the latest one. So uh, it, it's exciting, you know, not only what he accomplished, but I think where he can go from here. Now, uh, all right, Michael, it's time. You got to give it up. Okay. Tell us to start with the mad dash to get down there because you woke up this morning in Portrush and uh, Lowry's people are from from south of Dublin. I mean, what was a good four hour drive to get there? Yeah, it's exactly four hours. There's, there's 20 different routes. Uh, <laughs> you can try to motor. You can try to take the M system down there. But in the end, you're going to wind up on little country roads no matter what you do. And, uh, uh, I, well, without boring with the two main details, but uh, I didn't have a higher car be, or a rental car in uh, in, Bel- in excuse me, in Portrush because uh, I was staying in a house uh, very near the golf course. Uh, and it was very difficult to get a rental car uh, today, and they were very expensive. And when we dropped off some others, anyway, I wound up uh, taking a metered cab, the, the meter running the whole time uh, <laughs> while I was being with the yard in Northern Ireland uh, on, a, on a four-hour metered cab uh, fare. So uh, I hope I hope a few people read this story because it'll be an expensive one, just in terms of the cab fare. Of course, having said that, you and I have, you know, wouldn't if it was an airfare, we wouldn't blink, uh, you know, uh, whatever. You got to chase the story. You got to chase the story. And for the listeners may have an inkling that you're, um, I hate to use the word finicky, but Michael's a specific personality. So if you made a list of the reporters who are going to light out of Portrush on a moment's notice to <laughs> to go across the entire island, you might not have been at the top, but that 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 deepens my respect for for this whole enterprise. I mean, it's awesome that you took it on. I appreciate that. Yeah. Alan Bassable, whose uh, people are uh, uh, as Irish as Irish could be, his dad worked. Uh, our editor, one of our bosses, uh, Alan Bassable, the editor of Golf. dot com, um, who's really done a lot to uh, invigorate uh, our website, to say the least, uh, and has a great new sense. Uh, his dad was an executive at uh, Aer Lingus, and. Uh, I think he he watches all tournament golf with with keen interest. I think maybe this one with particular interest. Anyway, it was his idea uh, uh, to go down there. You're going to write the game story, and that's and I guess like like an available warm body to uh, to do it. So I got myself down there, and the club is absolutely in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's just hard to describe how remote this place is. And once you once you get off one tiny road uh, to go onto another tiny road, and and Google Maps is telling you to, you know, proceed, uh, you know, 1.5 kilometers. It's like you can't believe there's going to be a golf course anywhere near here. And, of course, there is a golf course, and it's the classic sort of thing of, of inland Irish golf is, you know, some guy had a farm, didn't want to farm it anymore, and turned it into a golf course. Uh, uh, a man named Malloy uh, with his uh, with his brothers and their neighbor, and they hired uh, Christy O'Connor, Jr., who's the nephew of Christy O'Connor Sr., who was a contestant in the 1951 uh, uh, British Open at, uh, at, at Portrush. Anyway, built, they built this uh, inland course with ponds and lush grass and, uh, you know, country club bunkers. Uh, you know, it's not the rugged uh, Linksland uh, 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 Irish golf course of yore, like a Valley Bunyan or Port Monarch or Portrush or, or County Down. Um, and I, I can't tell you a thing about the course except for that it's on uh, rolling farmland. But it was a it was an absolute packed house uh, when I when I got there. They were already well into the uh, to the front nine by the by the time I arrived. 
there were kids, there were two boys who had, who had just come in. I don't know how many holes they played, but they were dripping with rainwater and their bags <laughs> were soaked and they had been pulling uh, uh, buggies. And uh, the clubhouse was just, uh, it had to be about 100% humidity in there uh, between the, uh, the sweat and the beer and the, uh, the mass of, uh, of humanity. And, uh, and it wasn't, you know, there were, there were a few reporters and a couple of TV cameras there, but it wasn't, quote, a media event. It was just local people uh, who live in a remote, quiet place uh, gathered together uh, to watch a native son that every single one of them knew in, in some capacity. And they, they, they all knew uh, uh, Shane's family as well, and many had grown up with him or, or the parents. Uh, and, and they were, they were celebrating. I don't think they were celebrating. Um, I don't think there was any, uh, you know, uh, how can I describe this? Uh, there's sometimes a, an aggressiveness that comes with, uh, with rooting for a team or a person, however it might be. And it didn't seem to be like that. It just seemed like, uh, we're so happy that the world is going to get to see, uh, how how uh, this great golfer in person that uh, that our little uh, village has uh, has produced, um, and as one of the one of the people there pointed out to me, this this is a village so small that you can go ten miles and be in a village not so small, but or not even that maybe six miles, but uh, but this little village uh, is so small it has, it doesn't have a pub it doesn't have a general store it doesn't have uh, a, a rec center. It really has nothing except for this clubhouse um, at a club that's nominally private, but is actually, you know, basically public, that every, where everyone is welcome. And I have to think that uh, most of the most of the villagers were uh, were there because uh, there were a few hundred people there, and there's only 200 people in that village. So anyway, it was it was really one of the great uh, uh, reporting moments of my life, just to just to see it, to see something authentic. I mean, that's why I think. Um, we're drawn to sports, you and I as writers and people listening as, as sports fans, whether it's golf or something else, um, to just actually see something genuine, something unscripted, um, and, uh, and something filled with joy. Uh, so it was, it was, uh, it was an excellent suggestion Allen's part to go down there and it was a, it was, it was a joy to do it. And just, you know, I know you were only being half funny when you said what you said, but I think part of what we're very lucky to do is, We've got to be light on our feet and, uh, and just sort of, we uh, you know, we wing it a lot of the time. We, you know, you can't predict what's going to happen. Uh, so that's part of the, that's part of the, the pleasure of what we, uh, of what we get to do. Well, I mean, that's just so beautifully said. I, I almost like the story just came to life for me and probably everyone who's listening. That it does sound magical. And that pride that you mentioned is really the underpinnings of this entire week. It's, it's the pride that the locals felt for their golf course as the whole world was discovering it. I had so many people say to me, and there was there was an element of pleading, you know, what do you, what do you think of Portrush? You know, is it as good as as Burkdale or does it belong in the Rota? You know, there was they needed that validation. Like they all love this golf course. They think it's great. They're not maybe sure. They're waiting for the world to render its verdict. And so it started with that, and then it was the pride of. You know, seeing how touched Graham McDowell was on the first tee, then it was the pride of Rory fighting back on Friday, and you know, showing, showing some some of his class there, and, and um, how how open he was, and, and then the heartache that came with that, and 
And then the pride got transferred to Shane Lowry, who, uh, you know, that 63 on Saturday is one of the, one of the greatest rounds in major championship history, uh, bar none. And uh, it, it's just, you could feel it in the air. You could, you could see it in their eyes. Um, obviously, the, the players who have roots in, in Ireland, they spoke about it quite eloquently. And, um, you know, that that's really what I take away from, from this Open was how much it meant to so many uh, you know, it wasn't just a golf tournament. I mean, it was it was a cultural milestone. It it was a, a, a it was personal dreams kind of finally being realized. Uh, it just there was there was a specialness this open that that I really felt, and clearly, you um you had an incredible view. And um, so, what was the moment like? I, I guess in in some ways it was anticlimactic it wasn't like he had to make you know Lowry had to make a putt on 18 to win it i mean we knew he was going to win about an hour and a half before he did but can you can you bring to life you know the 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 finale when when he's finally the champion and he gets the trophy and then all those little moments well did that you, uh it was an absolute eruption it was like it was as if he, you know, it was one of those, like Phil's one of the masters, you know, when he hold the bomb to, uh, to win. In other words, when he won, they erupted as if it was unexpected. <laughs> I got a kick out of that. You know, as you say, we all knew it was going to happen for 90 minutes, but I think there's something about the Irish spirit that says, you know, we'll believe it when it really happens. So they, uh, so that eruption was why. And also, absolutely dead stone church mouse quiet when this guy was over putt as if they could hear him and people were like (laughs) and then if he uh and then this is the classical classics i can really relate to this because i'm a ball talker anyway but uh but you know he 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 won he i can't remember what hole it was but uh, somewhere early in the back nine he shot over the green and went down as well and it's running and it's running and went and and probably more than one guy but one guy in particular saying stop 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 (laughs) but anyway so uh they were deeply they were deeply involved in it and uh of course, there there there's a lot of drinking, but there wasn't a lot of uh, drunkenness. It was just uh, uh, it was all families. I shouldn't say all families. There's all sorts of different ages, but there were many families. There were three. I met one family that there was a uh, a little kid and his uh, parents and, the, and and a grandmother, and uh, uh, so it, it 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 couldn't have been better. And they're very proud of their golf course and like. You know, you and I have had the good fortune to travel a lot and see a lot of different types of golf. If we uh, if we tried to express to them how different, you know, you can see it on TV, of course, but they don't really understand. I don't think these these locals who haven't had a chance to travel that uh, that their kind of inland golf they 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 had the feeling that the golf that Shane Lowry played growing up is what prepared him to win on this Lynx golf course. Of course, what we heard him win was his greatness as an athlete and the fact that he's got a game that can travel. Uh, but this is, you know, this is an almost, almost, uh, it's lush. It's just lush in every way. So, uh, you know, raining all the time here and it's just, uh, it's just very different. But anyway, so the, the pride of plays, which we picked up a lot in Port Rush as well, was, was astounding. Um, but just to, just to ask you something that uh, I know we're both thinking about, where, where does this Port Rush stand um, among the iconic courses of the world uh, in your experience? And I'll preface this by saying that um, 
I always had Port Marnock and Port Rush confused in my mind. And I'd been to Port Marnock, so I shouldn't have. It was years ago. But uh, I really, even though I'd heard a lot about Port Rush, I never heard someone say, like, I've never been to Royal Melbourne. You know, people say, oh, Royal Melbourne's one of the best in the world. People say, Gus National, Pine Valley, LA Country Club, those are some of the best in the world. I never really heard Port Rush expressed at that level. More like, oh, we're going to Ireland, we're playing, blah, 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 and Port Rush. And I thought it was off the charts great, like Muirfield and Norris great, and that's saying a lot. The old course is in a category onto itself for greatness in town and everything. But what what were your feelings about the course itself and where it ranks? Well, to like I, I to me is just top ten, top fifteen in the world. I mean. It's, there's just, you stand on every tee box and it looks like a painting. It, it, it's just some of the best terrain there is. I love the old course as much as you do. It's, it's so charming and it's so fun, but it's flat. You barely see the water. Yeah. Um, there's half the tee shots are kind of blind and awkward and it's laughably short for the pro game. I mean, if, if the wind doesn't howl, they're gonna they're gonna be shooting fifty nines next time the open goes there, so um, for you and I it's a wonderful test for for the pros it's unfortunately the, the modern game has overwhelmed it, you know Carnoustie great tactical golf course but again the, the terrain is not that interesting there's sort of a monotony every every fairway seems like it's pinched by bunkers on both sides and um, you can go on down the list I mean. If I had to pick right now, I would put I'd put Portrush at the top of of all those courses. You know when it, it's and what the player one of the things the players loved about it is it, there's not that much quirk in it. It's a pretty straightforward test. You know I when I go to Ireland, I want to I want to hit a you know I want to play the Dell Hole or you know at La Hinch where you've got a, a blind par three over a dune. I mean that that's the kind of golf that stirs that stirs me and, and compels me to to cross an ocean and. There's not much of that at Portrush, which um, it makes it probably better for as a as a championship test. But um, if I had to rank the Irish golf courses, I'd probably put per, just personally enjoyment factor, not as a not as a championship test, whatever. But just what I love. I mean, I'd, I'd put Lahinch first, um, and I might put Valley Bunyan second, possibly Portrush third. But um, that's the the as we saw, you know, what, what happened at the the Irish Open when these guys absolutely destroyed La Hinch. I mean, Port Rush is big and brawny and it's tough. And uh, it's just, it, it can still handle the modern game as long as the wind blows a little bit. And so um, I, I think, I, you know, it's a no-brainer that RNA is coming back for another Open. It's just a question of when. And uh, I could, it could be as early as five years. It might be as, as, as many as eight. But we're not going to have to wait long for the encore. I mean, the, it was this was such an artistic triumph. It was the first time the Open had ever sold out. I mean, it's going to be a great money maker, and there has been a tremendous investment to bring it here, an infrastructure, and in other ways that you have to keep coming back to justify that on some level. So, uh, I think we're all going to get a chance to, to see Paul Rush again sooner rather than later. I'm glad I'm glad they got the weather they got on Saturday because it really you needed some sunlight to actually see the the humps and hollows and to see the spectacular views. But you're right, you know, part of part of what makes 
look, those Hawaii golf courses, they're not great golf courses, but they're spectacular golf courses uh, because of the views, because you're because of craggy ocean and, and breaking surf, breaking waves and all the rest. And uh, and you have that here. And uh, it's part of the joy of golf, uh, whether whether you know the golf purists can recognize it or not. Your field is great as it is. You never really you never really feel like you're on top of the ocean. Uh and, and and this in this place you do. Uh I guess it's our senior, but uh yeah, that added to it a lot. And to, and and just a quick follow up note about what you're saying about about Lahinch and torching it and uh in still conditions there you know, you've written this, I've written the same. There there is, there's no par fives anymore. There's no par 70. They're all par six. They call this a 71, but in still conditions, it's basically a 68. And, uh, in 63 is, uh, now what 67 used to be. And, uh, I, I think we're going to need a mental adjustment to lower scores. Um, in the in the event of say four days of still weather uh, on the old course, uh, guys will shoot twenty under par in the on the old course uh, over four days in benign weather. Of course oh, they will. It'll it'll be lower than that. I mean, if 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 it's even even with some breeze, I mean, two sixties are going to win at the old course. But I mean, that's okay. I, I don't really. We don't have to go down this road on this podcast necessarily, but. Um, it's important we keep coming back to these courses, but I, th- I think Port Rush is really going to stand up over time. And um, but before we go, I mean, I think I think we've really gone deep on on Lowry and and the meaning of this Open. Is there anything else we need to discuss? I mean, should we tip our cap towards Brooke Kepka, who made another great run, uh, all the while waging a, a not so silent protest against JB Holmes' pace of play? Um, how, how do we put a bow on Kepka's year? I mean, he contended all four majors. He only picked off one. Uh, maybe he's learning it's harder to win these things than he thought. I don't know. I'm extremely impressed by Kepka. Uh, really, in uh, in in almost every way, I think he's I think he is actually trying harder with the press, which uh, which is important because uh, you know all we are is a conduit uh, uh, to the public. Public doesn't get a chance to ask them questions, and we do. And uh, so he's really speaking uh, directly to them. But I'm just impressed by how he knows what he wants to do with that golf ball when he stands over it, and how he's not making it too complicated. And um, his whole sort of uh, I'm a stud athlete mentality uh, just I find him impressive, and uh, I was really just lukewarm about him. Because I, I, I mistakenly thought uh, after the Aaron Hills performance that he was just the quintessential uh, ball basher. And now that I've seen more of his game, I can say it's absolutely unfair. He is a very, very complete golfer. And uh, the year he had was sounding. And uh, uh, look, it's all a question. I don't think the majors are of course, this guy basically plays in majors, but uh, you typically you win majors at the same pace you win regular terms and laughing because that's not true in this guy's case. But anyway, he'll, he'll, he'll contend in Masters, you know, what, half the time for the next 15 years if he stays healthy? And uh, actually, what he showed this year, when he should take great strides, and he can play in any kind of surface, you know, if it's grass, clay, or hard tree, whatever, this guy can play any surface. And, uh, so uh, Tom Watson sort of turned me around on this about a year ago when he said this guy's absolutely the real deal. And uh, I can see what he's, what he, why he said what he said. And 
I don't think there's any. Uh, Justin Johnson we saw as an extremely high level. Rory McIlroy played golf at an extremely high level. But uh, I, I know it's easy to get swept away, but I think this guy's high level is higher than uh, really either either of theirs. Uh, uh, so I think it's an incredible year, an incredible achievement to uh, to play these four majors on these four different types of courses uh, uh, so expertly. Yeah, I agree. And yet, it's uh, even for Brooks, big, bad Brooks Kepka, they're just not easy to win. I mean, a couple putts down the stretch at the Masters, he didn't convert. Um, Pebble, you know, he played pretty airtight on Sunday, but a few little mistakes, and that's all it takes. I mean, that at this level, it is the difference between winning and, and having a top three. So it's going to be fascinating to watch. I mean, there's no question Brooks is the best player in the game. It's going to be fascinating to see how he built on this season. He's, he's found the secret sauce and hopefully he'll just keep doing what he's doing and, and not get sucked into too many other things. And uh, it, it was a great run. Um, and Shane Lowry went crazy on Saturday. You know, if he didn't go crazy, Kepka might've, might've been, been sort of there, but uh, after the guy shot 63, it was all he really had to do was not make mistakes on, on Sunday. You know, I mean, yeah. Shane Lowry we put out a stranglehold in this tournament, you know, in, in the Tiger Woods traditions. And it would have been a, a boring Sunday, except for the fact that the, the tournament was at Port Rush, and the guy was from Ireland, and that made all the difference, uh, which you captured so well in your game store, which is on golf.com right now for the listenership. <laughs> well... I, th I think this might be a, a good place to mention that your story is on golf.com as well. So I think we will release the, the listeners to, um, to go find both these pieces. Hopefully they'll, they'll enjoy reading them as much as we enjoyed writing them, because that's one thing that, that, you know, you and I had a, had a chat in the press room and the thing about Michael and I, there's only a couple people on the planet who can understand what we do. Not, not. I don't mean that in a conceited way, like we're so ultra talented. Just the the weirdness of our life, the the personalities we deal with in the office, the the um, ever changing nature of the business. You know, we used to have to only type, and now we're doing videos and podcasts, and um, and so we lean on each other a lot for uh, pep talks and for counsel. I mean, no spouse could ever understand what we're what we're talking about and even some of our other colleagues haven't been doing as long and so anyway mike and i had kind of a deep conversation on saturday about um you know we're lucky to be here we came a long way like we need our only our only utility is to give the reader something they can't get anywhere else and i think that's part of what got him in the car this morning to go to st lowry's hometown it certainly pushed me to try and write the best story i could write so um, it was kind of a, a fun little moment that, that uh, we were both reflecting back on today. And um, it's neat that uh, we can still, we, you know, even after all these years, we don't take this job for granted. I mean, it's, it's, it's fun to do and um, it's fun to, to challenge ourselves and each other. And um, we'll, leave, we'll leave it to the readers to decide if we succeeded. But um, I, I think we're both pretty proud of the stories we typed up today. So um, anyway, Michael, it's always a pleasure. Thank you, Alan. See you down the road. See you in uh, maybe Liberty National. <laughs> yes, could be FedEx, could be um, President's Cup. Nah, I don't know. It, it better not be the Masters. I'll say that. That'd be very depressing if we go that far until we see each other again. All right, we're going to wrap this up. Thank you for listening. Thank you for reading. It's been a heck of a um, season of majors. Michael and I have enjoyed doing these podcasts and we'll, we'll keep doing so. 
Lord Willing and the Creek Don't Rise. This is Alan Shipnack signing off for golf.com. Go to golf.com. You can find our pieces and you can find this podcast. That's it. I have nothing left to say, even though I'm still talking. Thanks for listening. Bye.